All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Tailborn Misfits podcast. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. I'm joined by my co-host, Gunnar Michelle. Hey, guys. What's up? All right. Well, last time we talked a little bit about one of the big things we see is a shortage of manpower and uh, and retention on employees, guys coming in the fire service, guys leaving the fire service, multitude of different reasons. And uh, we don't want this to just sound like a complete bitch session or something like it's at the kitchen table and everybody's complaining about everything HR does. So... Uh, you know, we're wanting to create change and, and create a uh, movement in a healthy direction for this uh, this career and this amazing opportunity that, that we've both been involved in. And uh, so we're going to talk about one of the issues and, and what we think we can uh, do to fix it, a direction we can go, and a and, uh, little problem and solutions uh, as we see fit. So um, we're going to start with uh, retention. Yep, it's a big, big, big problem amongst the fire service right now. Sure. Um, Putting hurting on us. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, the more guys leaving, the more calls that you got to run. And, and my ass is working mandatory callback four times a week. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, and you just don't ever get a break. And of course, that uh, that takes a, a toll on you as a person. Takes a toll on your your family life and and everything else. It's just a downhill spiral, and yeah, it all absolutely. comes back to guys leaving and guys not coming. I mean, recruitment and retention is two major problems um, that somebody's got to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll just dive right in. Okay. Um, I know uh, <laughs> I've definitely been one of the issues on retention. I have left departments and gone to others, and, you know, guys can say what they want. I, you know, some guys will call me a job hopper or whatever, but uh, bottom line is, is I'm just not going to be part of a toxic environment, um, especially in the leadership roles that I held as a captain. I 100% view as an officer of a department – uh, part of what you're doing in serving that department in the officer capacity is supporting the administration that you work for, whether they're the ones that promoted you or, you know, it was their, um, you know, uh, predecessor or whatever. Um, that's that's kind of one of the things I actually personally see wrong with a like, civil service department yeah. because you can get promoted, you get locked into a position, and you're just there. Um, the departments I worked for, I did not work civil service, so – you know, I, I don't know all the pros and cons with them. I just, it's outside looking in. Um, and truly one of the main things that, shit, civil service, you know, you can test good, you can yeah. get promotion. Uh, at, at these other departments, it 100% goes on either performance or you may have some tests. Like I, I tested for my first captain's position and everything like that and went through a pretty rigorous um, testing period and, and evaluations and interviews and all that bullshit. But what it comes down to is um, once you're in that role, you're not supposed to just be, okay, I made it, now I'm just chill. Um, you know, you're, you're supposed to progress the department. Absolutely. That, that means the guys below you, and that means the people above you. Um, shit. Uh, I've worked for a whole bunch of officers that they were in it for themselves. Um, worked around a lot of guys that were in it for themselves. Um, but that's not really the way it's supposed to be. As an officer, you know, you are the go-between your chiefs and your guys on the crew, mm-hmm. your ladies on the crew. That's that's the hardest position in the firehouse because you're half administration and you're half still on the truck, still one of the guys sitting there watching the football game. You know, when you got some downtime, you're out there sweating with them. You're not riding around in a white shirt. You're no. <laughs> and captain's really the truly only rank in the fire department to block the bullshit. Yeah. And that's really, you know, when I was a sergeant, that's pretty much what I try to do, too. You know, you 
you can't let everything, all that political shit and all that administration shit affect your guys. And so you're really the end-all, be-all punching bag yeah. for all the bullshit that comes along. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, the departments I saw, one of the biggest retention positions was in that officer role. The officers burned out and left way faster than the firemen did. Um, because it was it's just, it was such a taxing position to be in that role, and you know you're sitting there trying to do the right thing and uh, support your administration, support the rules and regulations, support the policies, but then at the same time, there's a lot of shit that just may not uh, you may not agree with. Yeah, it may be against your morals, it may be against your principles, and all that. And and to me, as a man, what what I did, the decisions I made, like it or not, people can talk bad about me or whatever. I left a lot of the positions that I did. I left a lot of money on the table. I left a lot of stuff on the table because the stuff just didn't jive with me. Uh, when it gets to the point that it's bothering you mm-hmm. on your days off, man, it's time to go. And you're the type of person who's like, you get worked up. <laughs> and you can't quit thinking about it. No, man. you can't, man, because it's, uh, you know, like it or not, it's, it's, you can say it's a character flaw. I, I kind of I categorize it as a character flaw because I know a lot of guys that there said, man, just show up, you know. Just do your job and go home. Just do your job and go home. Well, you know, like we talked about before, mm-hmm. to me, this isn't a job. You show up and, and do your job and go home. No, You're it's always not. always on. And so... Especially if you care about it so much. You care about it. It's what I always wanted to do. It's what, um, you know, I didn't ever define I wasn't ever one of those that really introduced myself, you know, first right, I'm a firefighter. I wasn't ever one of those guys. Um, but deep down, that is what I am. And so I was never able to really turn it off. And so when you're just getting beat up with just wrong shit all the time, whether it's um, policies that don't have the community's best interest at heart, mm-hmm. whether it's um, policies that don't have the firemen's best interest at heart, it's all about numbers and it's all about basically bookwork stuff. Um, man, it does. It gets to the point that it eats you up. So Especially when you're supposed to enforce this policy but the people above you that's given the policy ain't following the policy themselves yeah 100 <laughs> percent. that's where things get twisted that's where it's all and you're just sitting there and yeah i mean that's that's the best way to describe it and it just sits there and and it spins a guy like me completely out of fucking control yeah um <laughs> and <clears throat> you know I'm, I'm not proud of it but it is what it is my wife loves me and i don't really give a shit what yeah. anybody else thinks um that uh but that is definitely a problem and you know i i want to make it known that it's really okay to uh to not agree with everything it's really okay that if you feel that things are against your morals or or your principles of the things you were raised with as a child you know we were all taught right from wrong for the most part mm-hmm. i'd say we were and that's why you got in the business this business is to try to do right mm-hmm. uh if you get to the point where you're working for people that don't do right they're, they don't do right themselves, and they're they're not doing right by the people that pay your your payroll and pay for all that fancy equipment that you're riding around with your name on the side of. Um, it might be time to go. Yeah. So that's, I think a lot of guys have that. That's what one of the retention things is. I mean, I know, uh, I know tons and tons and tons of, of friends of mine have left departments because of toxic environments and. You know, they they went on to, to other departments, even for, for minuscule stuff, but it just didn't jive with them. And personally, I don't see anything wrong with that because those guys have to do what is mentally yeah. healthy for them. Because you're not – I mean, you got a family, and you're going to take this shit home whether you say you are or you're not, you know. Yeah. And your family's going to going to be affected. Yeah. You know, and 
things start getting twisted, you start getting mad, you bring it to work, and then you're, now your home life's jacked up. Not only work jacked up, your home life's jacked up. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a downward spiral of completely, shit. Completely. And, you know, the number one kill in a fireman is heart attacks. What's one of the biggest causes of heart attacks? Stress the fuck out. Mm-hmm. What is more stressful than your home life being complete shit and your work life being complete shit? Nothing is, is healthy to you. Nothing, nothing makes sense. Nothing seems right. And you're sitting there just spiraling completely out of control. And I see just a complete generation of guys like that. Like, man, I've been there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, during one of the worst points in my career that I was going through, uh, stress-wise, toxic-wise, um, just due to just absolute terrible t- uh, leadership, I also went through a nasty divorce. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's it's comical looking back, but at the time, I, w- I was so enraged that this was even said to me that, uh, you know, I'm glad that my mama told me right from wrong, and I really don't want to go to the pen because this shit had me in another level uh, of anger um, that... I could have made some bad choices, but uh, when you're getting rode up by a chief officer and then go, when you refuse to sign that write-up, you end up in the big chief's office with him, and the write-up was for, um, essentially, best I recall, because uh, I refused to sign it, so I don't have the paperwork for it because I told them to shove it up their ass, but uh, it was having a you know poor attitude uh, towards that, that leader, if you call it a leader, um, because at the time we had an entire shift quit the fire department because of toxic leadership an entire shift walked that happened to be my relief shift so when you can't hire guys because your recruitment sucks what happens? mandatory mm-hmm. so we were getting mandatory 48 on 24 off because we were on a 3 shift 24-48 schedule um, for months my entire crew so we were going in <clears throat> you know, working our shift, and then not only that, but it was in their policy because they didn't. They were worried about guys sleeping in because it's all about perception. It's all about the perception of the fire chief. You know, it didn't matter how many runs you made that night or anything like that. No one could sleep past said time that he put on, and you weren't allowed to sleep during the day. One of their policies were if you were on overtime or or you were working an extra day or however you want to put it, you had to move stations. So you're getting up. 5.30 in the morning just to move stations on some mandatory overtime that you don't even freaking want in the first place. Um, and amongst all that, you know, I'm going through a divorce and everything, and and uh, I wasn't the nicest person to be around, but it is what it is. My crew loved me, um, and we were very tight. To this day, we're still very tight. Uh, but when it comes to certain things like that, you're like, man, come on. Like, can we have a little common sense here? Like, let's hire some folks instead of beating the ones we have in the ground. Exactly. And I'll shit you not, man. I end up in the chief's office. And I'm sitting there, and he literally looks at me and says, well, you're not a real fireman until you've been divorced. And you're just like, what in the fuck? Like, that's that's your mentality? You got a guy literally that's been working for you for months, two days on, one day off, running all his calls, 10 on stuff. Not only that, but I'm an officer of a department that had, at that time, about 110% turnover rate. So we lived in a rookie status all the time. <clears throat> um, yeah, you never even really, truthfully, you never get past pulling hands line and hand lines and catching hydrants with a guy before they're leaving mm-hmm. because things are so rough. So that you're doing that over and over and over and over and over again. Um, not to mention, you know, training drivers and, and just all that kind of stuff. 
uh, we'll go down that rabbit hole as it comes up. But um, you're going through all that, and then the chief has audacity to say say a comment like that, and you're just sitting there like, like That's nope. <laughs> no one's safe from a bitch slap, dude. Yeah, well, <laughs> it went through my mind. <laughs> uh, I was just like, man, it's going to be hard to be a dad from from the pen, but. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the culture that a lot of these chiefs and stuff that, that I've been around personally, that, that's their mentality is, oh, well, you, you know, you're not a real fireman, you'd be divorced. Well, whatever happened to the days of when you hired a fireman, you hired their family. Exactly. And that's what Longview, the department I work for, that's what they portray. Yeah. And they're truly good about it. That's, see, that's, man, that's how it should be. And, um, you know, you, you wonder why guys leave. When you have policies and stuff in place that, you know, you essentially are outlawing, Families coming by and visiting. Man, I remember as a kid, we were always at the fire station. Mm -hmm. um, and then whenever I, uh, some other departments, they were always holidays, all that shit. Every, the families came to the station. But then, you know, you literally have departments out there have policies against that for whatever reason. Uh, and then you wonder why people don't want to stay and work for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't see how in someone's right mind that's okay. I've been trying to figure that out for a few No, years and, the, well, for one thing, they're narcissists, so it's not their fault. It'll never be their fault, so it's not the leadership problem that they have. It's they blame it on pay or they blame it on that you just wanted to do something different. They never, it's never them. And uh, true leadership is, you know, a form of being humble and other sorts of characteristics, but it's a problem right now. And, dude, when I was in the military, like, I had the staff sergeant. I loved him so much. His name was Staff Sergeant Parkinson's. If he walked up to me today and wanted to shoot me in the face, I would let him because I love that man so much. <laughs> you know, this is because he loved us. Like, he truly loved us. And same as far as my LT, he's the same way. And I wish, you know, the fire service, which is changing. You know, these guys are going to leadership schools and stuff like that. But, like, you know, the civilians and stuff that, you know, didn't have a military experience in that leadership schools that, you know, the military provides, you know, they – they're kind of just doing it off of who did it before me, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. And when the guy that who did it before me has no experience doing it. Exactly. You're just sitting there spinning your wheels. A domino effect. Yeah. You know, and it's not healthy. No, not at all. Uh, I, I joke, uh, I was telling you earlier, uh, before we got on air that, uh, you know, I had a, a friend of mine that, that worked for the same department I did. And, uh, I mean, it's simple, but it's one of those little stupid creature comforts that firemen like. And uh, they may be the ugliest thing in the world, but a lot of the firemen I know, we all like Crocs, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we work for a department that they were absolutely outlawed. You know, you even wore them on your days off and you were just a terrible individual, all because that was a personal preference of, of one person. Uh, and then this friend of mine, he just went to work for another department where their department, when he hired on, issued on Crocs. Just simply on the stats, they didn't want to wear their duty boots that they wear on these EMS runs and they go into, you know, some of the not sanitary places that they go. They want them to leave those. They got a cubby out in the bay. They put their duty boots out there. They slip their Crocs on to wear them inside the station. So you don't have the cross-contamination going mm -hmm. on. And it's like, man, what is the – that's a major disconnect from, a, you know, two departments that are, like, literally 15 minutes down the road from each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't know if a lot of people are familiar, but there's literally a, a paid fire department on near every corner in the Houston, Texas mm -hmm. area. Um, you have, I, I couldn't even tell you, there's just tons and tons of different departments. And uh, I think that creates a lot, of, maybe a lot of the problems because, say, this department, uh, 
you know, their benefits package may be such and such. Then this one, the pay. And then this one, the environment, or this one, the equipment, or the call volume, or whatever it is. So, yeah, there, it creates a lot of, of essential job hopping mm-hmm. for guys trying to get what it is that they look like. I know a lot of guys that leave for pay. Um, being as I'm a little bit older now and uh, have the kids at the house and wife at the house and all that kind of stuff, pay is definitely more important now than it was whenever I was 20. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a lot younger, I was all about the call. You know, I wanted to work in the, in the darkest hood in the Houston area that burned the most, you know, had the most trauma. I was, I was, you know, call chaser, basically, mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way. I wanted the dark, the darker uh, environment areas, the nasty stuff. Um, and a lot of guys may not want that. A lot of guys may want the pay right, the, right out of the gate. And that's mm-hmm. fine. I don't have a, you know, I don't no, have a problem. No, absolutely not. But you have to recognize that in the individual. Like, you know, this guy wants the money. Or this this person wants to uh, make the runs, and to me, it's okay for people to essentially chase their needs because mm-hmm. then you get them put in a place where they really want to be. Like if you take a person, you can pay them all the money in the world; they don't ever make any house fires. They're going to be absolutely miserable, and they're going to leave the fire service mm-hmm. because some people want the fires and want the calls more than they want the money, and yeah. vice versa. Um, so, as far as the retention stuff, you know, instead of chastising people for expressing what they want or you know when they go in their exit interview and they just flat out tell you like hey chief you know don't have any problem with what's going on but I want such and such or uh, you know I'm leaving this department I love making the calls and everything but I'm going to go over here because I have a newborn child at the house and this benefits package covers all the dependents you know you don't have the ability financially to offer that so it makes more financial sense for me as a family man to go over here that's okay yeah that's okay. Um, and I, I think that if people would recruit on that basis, mm-hmm. you would probably, it would boost your retention rate because people would know up front of what they're getting into instead yeah. of trying to act like a college football coach, you know, and recruiting with a bunch of old promises that you may not can fulfill. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're almost, we're at that point where we're going to have to start recruiting and you're going to have to start stealing. I mean, I don't like it, but. Uh, with the shortage of paramedics and everything like that, you know, like what you go through mm-hmm. in your department, those departments are essentially still in the guys, you know, with dangling carrots that are, that are uh, something that they yeah. want. And that's what we're getting to. And we're losing, you know, guys to the Metroplex because they're starting out firefighters, 90,000 a year, and just, there's just no way to compete. And, um, but what I do know is, is that culture and stuff and traditions and a good work environment can't offset some of that you know and so and that's just one thing they're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to aim for as a department in order to keep these guys in leadership too like we have to make sure everyone's top-notch we have to know that our chiefs care about us and they want us to be the best and our captains it's it goes down the hill like it's everything needs to be all aligned and i was shared a meme on facebook earlier that says retention is your best recruitment and it, there's nothing more true because, I mean, if you have some guys that's never leaving a department, mm-hmm. that goes to show you, hey, they got the shit going on. Absolutely. Great A. Yeah, so. for sure. Because, you know, even then, like, you know, uh, it just shows, yeah, 100%. Because the guys aren't leaving, then, hey, this department's got, got something going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> that's really the direction we need to be headed uh, as a career. It, retention is 100% important because having got a constant turnover on guys and you don't have you don't have people that 
that know their district. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the biggest things for me uh, that I noticed with losing EOs and you know drivers is, um, or even having drivers that, get, that constantly get swapped stations. You know, there's some departments like down in Southeast Texas. They they have guys that they're not even assigned a station. They just kind of float or what they call what do they call it. Uh, uh, travel guy. Yeah, travel guy or swing man or rover yeah. or anything like that. Um, to me, one of the biggest things that I see is um, would you rather have an EO that's assigned that station and know his district, know where every hydrant is, know where every target hazard is, uh, knows, hey, I've been in that house before. It's got a screwed up stairwell, blah, blah, blah. We were there for a med call, and I remember that. So now we're making fire at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's dark, smoky, everything. He's going to be like, oh, shit, I yeah, this house has a basement. Or that's actually a two-story house. They kind of modified the attic. I'm like, Why would you not want a guy that's been in that district that knows that kind of stuff rather than just having – you know, constant turnover. Oh, well, we just got to make sure that they can make this check marked ABC and pass a test. Mm-hmm. So retention is everything yeah. to me. And we got to stop looking at guys' numbers and start looking at them as individuals. Oh, and that's a problem. Like, you know, seen in the military, seen it, you know, in other places, talk to other guys. And if you have an administration in the city looking at guys as numbers and they're comparing numbers to numbers, they already got it wrong. Because then, you know, then they'll never catch up because you're just a number. Why would I come work for some place and I'm number one or I'm number 106? Yeah. That's my identity, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you might as well be a prisoner with a – Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree because, uh, yeah, then, you you know, but we talk about tradition. It used to be that way. Like, Houston Fire Department is one of the biggest departments in the country. And the old school guys there – they did know the guys by name. There's some senior pipemen that's working in some of these districts 20, 30 years, and they know their district so well. They know their apparatus so well. They can literally, that 20-year guy can tell the chief, hey, chief, you know, I know your command, blah, 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 but I, I think we should do it like this because I know what's in there. This is what's burning. That's what's burning. We should do it like this, or I, you know, our crew needs good. And they listened to that guy. It wasn't an egotistical. Well, I'm the chief. Shit. Mm-hmm. It was. Oh man. Well, yeah. Actually, this guy knows a lot more than I do, because he's been in this district. He knows this area. This is his. This is his department. Mm-hmm. This is the the most senior fireman that you got in this whole district. Possibly the whole department, depending on the size of your department. But they recognize that instead of mm-hmm. me, me, me. It's. Oh, yeah, no, that guy actually knows his stuff. And it goes to prove everything we're talking about is essentially in a chain. And this chain's got to be intact to pull this load. And if one of these chains are broken, like leadership, tradition, retention, personnel, anything, if one of these chains are broken, I mean, they're going to have flaws in the system, you know. And uh, this is the way it works, you know. Well, and yeah, one of the major leaks on that chain is being able to recognize that you are in the chain. Yeah. It's you, yeah. you're not, you're part of it. Mm-hmm. You're not the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's something that, that I think really needs to be recognized. Um, man, that just the, the whole retention deal, uh, you know, I, I know your department just from, from observing from the outside. Uh, I know one of the big things that, that, that the department has a reputation for is, uh, you know, getting y'all involved in a lot of specialty stuff to keep your interest up. Oh, where yeah, You don't just absolutely. get burned out on, on running med calls over and over and over. Even if you're on the engine, you're not, okay, well, we're just making another med call. <laughs> absolutely. We offer a lot. And now, you know, we have a lot of 
you know, 10 year captains, 15 year captains that are really into the research and really into just wanting to, want to be good firemen. They just care about it so much. And so trainings, you know, every day, you know, and every, like sitting around the dinner table, we talk about bullshit stuff. A lot of it's, you know, training focus, culture focus, tradition focus. It just makes, it makes that firehouse culture you just so proud to be a part of, you know. Because I'm part of this, what we're talking about, you know, like I'm involved in this, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's just very proudful. So what, uh, like what's something if, if say your captain, you know, came to you and been like, hey, what if one thing that we could change, uh, you know, money wasn't on the table, it, it wasn't anything like that, but it was actually something within the department, non-payroll based, not benefits based, anything like that. They'd be like, what's something we could change that would make your life a million times better and make you just love us that much more. What's what's one thing that they, they could do? You see, I don't really see stuff from the top. So I don't know. Our, my captain does such a good job at blocking stuff. There's a lot of problems that I don't, I'm not involved in, I'm not associated with. But, you know, we're, our workload running 20 calls a shift kind of tampers a lot of our training and stuff like that. And, it, you know, it tampers us from working out, tampers us from sleeping because, you know, and which, you know, our – department's proactive right now so we're actually we're getting some more med units and stuff like that to reduce our workload so we can have this time to train and stuff and so we're actually proactive on the solutions for it and so but um i can't say that I have bad leadership i can't say that because my captains have been phenomenal awesome. phenomenal men that's well it's because they did the job yeah they you know they had to they started and they obviously haven't forgotten where they came from no and a lot of it you know like they say they're not the same person they were you know five ten years ago it's really all this culture shift that's going on with all these different podcasts and people actually speaking up now. Mm -hmm. And everyone's coming up to this table and like, hey, we all got the same issues. And how can let's try this and let's do this. You know, and they're going to these leadership schools and I think it's really benefited them. They finally get to see it from a different perspective that, you know, I come into the department and I already had this education and had this knowledge, you know, just being in the military. And so coming out and seeing this is like, okay, I can job with this. You know, and it, I've been really, really, really blessed. You know, I could have went many places, other places. There's a department that I was going to had a straight up shit show. We're leaving guys by the sh buttload. I mean, they were, I mean, I talked about like in a six month period, they lost 12 to 20 firemen. Damn. You know, yeah. Yeah, and, and as a taxpayer, you know, you paid all that money in. Yeah. Into that community and get those guys up to this level, especially if they, like, send them to paramedic school, something exactly. like that, and then they're leaving. They're getting a, robbed of their money, oh, dude. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, as a taxpayer, I'm pissed because it's yeah. like, whoa, you know, I just paid for an easy number, $100,000 for this guy to go to paramedic school plus his overtime plus his uniforms plus all this crap, get him good trained up, and then he leaves and goes, whoa, what's the problem? Yeah. Like, that's what I think. And that the communities need to get involved and start looking at this and – knowing this and all this stuff needs to be transparent amongst the community because I mean essentially they're the ones paying for it you know like these guys are getting a free ride free education stuff like going bouncing and dude, they're going on with their lives but you don't, can't expect these guys to stay and get tortured yeah you know yeah and that's one thing that um, that I definitely want to touch on as far as the, the re, just the retention and all that so a lot of departments I mean I don't have the, the broadest um experience with nationwide but i know in the in the areas where we work man um you know I, I know you said that your department is getting a lot more progressive on it and uh basically getting smarter just yes. for flat out there yes they're treating treating guys better but you know I, i'm 100 percent in on the you have to bring guys in and, and whip them into shape 
and you know this is how we do it blah 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 and yeah there is some things that happen and people may not like certain deals that mm-hmm. uh, what you might per se do to rookies that could constitute hazing is the word uh, and I'm not a proponent of that because I'll be the first one to tell you I work for some dickheads and I always said whenever I became a captain I would never treat people that way oh yes now uh, was I hard on people absolutely um, would I break it off in somebody's ass absolutely you owe it to them yeah, but it was never out of hateful. I do not believe in cussing an individual. I cuss in conversation, for sure. Uh, my mama don't like it, but that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't believe in, in cussing somebody or belittling someone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every fire department that you go around, they have all, the, you know, everybody has to abide by federal law and all this kind of stuff. But then at the same time, then they want to play the whole, well, we're the fire services, the brotherhood, blah, 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 blah. And they want to they want to cherry pick what rules they could follow. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I don't understand, uh, and I want to see a major change happen, uh, is bringing bringing people in. Say, you know, you for example, uh, I know that you work at Longview. You're on an asset of calls. Say two three years down the road, you transfer. I'm I'm working at a, at another department, and you came into that department. Why, as a fire service, do we have to? Get a new guy in that has validated experience. I'm not talking about somebody off the street. You mm-hmm. know, if you're doing one of these, like a lot of the departments we know that are doing now, they're having to hire guys with driver's license, high school diploma. Yeah. Never even been to fire school, anything like that. That is a little different ballgame. But I'm talking about someone with validated experience, possibly more than some of the people you even have working there. Mm-hmm. Why do we have to treat them like shit and put them through this ringer of, well, it's the way we've always done it, but you didn't really do it like that. It's an egotistical flex as yeah. far as I can tell that's all it is I mean because they're, they're scared of the nun they're scared to be wrong and they're scared for somebody to know more than them they want to feel on this upper pedestal and dude it's it's cancerous it is and then you know you take a guy like our real good friend uh, you know he left a department that he was running on average, a slow day for him be 16 18 calls average I'd say mid 20s a day on the ambulance Comes over to this department, did that shit for three years. He came to another department because he wanted more pay, have a better life for himself and his family, that kind of stuff, and actually get some, some time on the engine because the department he was at, he was stuck on ambulance. And we come in there, and he already has all this experience, but a guy gets hired in six months ahead of, ahead of him, uh, is his senior or whatever, and his training and this, that, and that. But he literally makes his life a living hell for his whole first year, all because he put the toilet paper on the damn toilet paper roll wrong for that guy's preference. And see, like, one thing, I would have probably blown a gasket. You know, like, I don't care who you are. If you belittle me, dude, that's fighting grounds. We take this shit outside. Off duty, off schedule. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to take it. And no one should have to take it. No, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Like, we can play, that's why I say we can play by the old school rules. You know, I'll, I'll be the first one. I, I'll tell the chief real quick, yeah, you know, you want to play A, B, and C of these old school rules because we've always done it. Well, back in the day, 50 years ago, still a lot of Irish blood in this business. And uh, y'all could go outside in the parking lot behind the station and handle this crap. You know, mm-hmm. there wasn't people just being able to run their mouth freely and then hide behind the cross bugles exactly. when it was done. And that's a problem. Uh, it's a very big problem. Uh, now, do I condone violence in the workplace? No, because it's not necessarily the healthiest route. But mm. you can't cherry pick what you think is, is okay and what's not. And, like, making a guy with validated experience, making his life absolutely miserable because of some damn toilet paper, that absolutely blows my mind. No. And the fact that there's officers, senior guys, 
EOs, everything involved in that whole spectrum that knew that was going on, but it's just written off as rookie treatment. And then telling that guy every day, oh, we can fire you, we can fire you because you put in the toilet paper wrong. Then you're the same ones that want to whine and cry because y'all are short on staffing. Mm -hmm. Like, what the hell is wrong with that picture? (laughs) It is so jacked up, man. And we could talk about this all day long because I got so many stories. And I've seen it a little bit in the military and stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff I didn't understand then that I do understand now. But, like, you have guys coming in 17 years old and blah, blah, blah that's never been in the Marine Corps before. Of course you're going to treat them like that because it's definitely a different culture than civilian life. Yeah. You know? And, you you know, you're just going to, you got to build some discipline and stuff. But this guy's a grown-ass man. This guy's been doing this for five years. Why? You have to, with that whole situation, you got to pick and choose your battles. This guy's a shithead. He had a bad attitude. He didn't have any kind of respect. Yeah. And then he probably warranted some that kind of treatment, but he didn't, you know. No, I mean, in my opinion, I think the the fire service seems to take a good hard look in the mirror and be like, hey, you know, this, yeah, this is how we have done stuff, the rookie year treatment and all this kind of stuff. But if this guy comes in, he understands, you know, hey, I need to come in clean. I got to do this. I got to do that. Uh, that's just show, yeah. show that I have initiative. And then, you know, do you teach them that department's way? You know, the cross lays may be different. You got to teach them how to mm-hmm. do that. You teach them what equipment might be different on the trucks or the layout of the trucks, the district, um, protocols for EMS, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, the job-related stuff. But that station crap, to me, it's just it's so egotistical. And, and nine times out of ten from the people that I've seen that are hateful doing that kind of crap, they didn't have that done to them. No. They, they essentially – they got a mental illness as far as I'm <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. And do you think that guy's going to stay? Well, no. I mean. Uh, you think that guy that gets treated. Well, that individual did. but Well, and to what, be completely honest, the reason that individual did is because it was a civil service department and he aged out. So that shows how old he was. He, during his hiring process, they had to hire him before he aged out. So he's too old to go somewhere. But yeah. any younger individual? No, they're not going to no. stay. Because anybody's going to sit there and say, damn, this department, all this department cares about is fucking toilet paper. They got the shit ass backwards. Yeah. I'm gone. Yeah, you oh, know? I'm completely gone. I don't care what you're paying me. No. I don't care what you're paying. I, I mean, and anybody, to me, on the outside looking in, taxpayer, they come in and they say, dang, you know, I just say completely, just for example, and this is made up, but just say this is a scenario. Uh, say the guy's a very wealthy businessman in, in the community and... He signs as a reference for said firefighter to get hired on. And he knows that guy's character. Or maybe he even worked for him. Let's use that. Mm-hmm. Say he worked for this guy. The guy decided, well, you know, I want to go be a fireman. Uh, it's what I've always wanted to do. I want to chase my dream. I need the benefits, you know, um, to go do this. And, and this guy vouches to get him on the job or as his reference or whatever, per se. And he goes on there. He works for six months. They're treating him like shit, all this, that, and the other. Well, he says, the hell with this. I'm going to go back over here where I'm treated like I'm, I'm a good employee because mm-hmm. I am. Goes treated back. like a human being. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, then he goes back to work for this businessman. Well, this businessman is a major, major, major taxpayer in your community. He rubs elbows with the city manager and the mayor. Well, guess what? Damn, you know, y'all treated, y'all treated my buddy like shit. What do you mean? Tells that story. Well, yeah, the whole time, you know, I sent this guy over here and he, it's all he ever want to do. I know he's a good worker. I know he's a hard worker. And he wants to come over here and, and instead of teaching him fire stuff, y'all are worried about toilet paper? 
what, what are my tax dollars really going for? Yeah. Like, I want to start seeing some transparency going on. Now we start showing up to city council meetings. Now the fire chief's got to bring his ass out of the big leather chair and come down here and explain why he has a retention rate problem and this huge turnover that's caused such and such. Mm-hmm. Open records requests happen. Financial records come out. We see all this money that's been spent on rookie academies and paramedic schools and uniforms and bunker gear and overtime to backstaff all those spots that were empty. Now who's in trouble? Mm-hmm. The big man at the top. So it all, like you're saying, the chain, it all comes around. So everybody has to just kind of grow up a little bit mm-hmm. and be like, man, I don't want to be treated like that. So why the hell would I treat someone else like that? Yeah. And that goes from the rookie all the way up to the big man in the chair. Mm-hmm. And I can't speak on every station in Longview and stuff, but at least for my experience, when I came into Longview, I immediately got treated like family. Came in, it wasn't about the bullshit, it was all about training. We trained up good and stuff like that. And I knew my duties, and I knew my place, and I conducted those things. And it's been kosher, you know, like, you know, I do my job, I get there, and we have a good time and stuff like that. And uh, I don't have that experience. I'm thankful that I didn't have that experience because I probably wouldn't have a job right now. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. um, but as long as the individual knows, he's got, he needs to know his place, and he goes in there and does a great job, and, you know, these guys will – you could really change somebody's life if you treat them with some respect and with some humanity, you know. And because he might come from nothing. He might not have any kind of background. He might have came from the hood. You know, decided that, hey, I want to change my life around. I don't want to keep on living this life. But I keep on seeing these firemen drive up and down my road because they keep on coming to these shootings and stabbings. And they're always saving my family and stuff. So I want to go become a fireman. And this guy's just lived a corrupted-ass life. You know, comes and then he comes here, and you know he's all excited and stuff. Then he's tra- sitting here getting treated like shit because he's a rookie and he don't know anything. And now you just, I, you might not care, but like to me, like if I felt like I did that to somebody that had such hope and just killed him, oh, dude, man. it would destroy me. And and truthfully, uh, I don't know if it's the area I worked or the departments that I worked or or just the uh, uh, shit that I attract. But that story, I, I mean, I have had that on my crew time and time again. Guys that, you know, that were raised. That's Houston. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, legitimately, yeah, guys that, you know, I've worked with guys that had former drug problems. I've worked with guys that, uh, you know, their, their dad or whatever ran out, you know, the whole typical went for cigarettes and never came back home shit. Like, mm-hmm. at one point, I had three guys that were essentially raised in foster care on one crew. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, how'd I end up with this? But I tell you, they were a badass fireman. Yeah, you know, uh, badass fireman. But um, yeah, I couldn't could not agree more. Uh, at what point does does everybody just be like, hey man, like we're we're not doing any good acting this way? No. Now there are certain things, you know, you do have have people that come in that abuse that, mm-hmm. or you may. I mean, we live in a society of a lot of um, uh, extended adolescence. We know yeah. that. Um, men not becoming men as young as, as other, you know, yeah. where we're from, 13, 14, 15 years old, and you're, you're working. You're doing yes, something. Absolutely. You're, you're driving trucks. You're working for a grandpa that has a farm. You're doing all that kind of stuff. And I get it in, in these bigger cities. You know, a lot of guys grow up living in apartments and everything. So it's a very common thing to run across people nowadays that they can't even run a lawnmower. They yeah. can't even run a weeder. They've never even seen one. They've seen the lawn crew come and do it. And, you know, that's where it comes in of you may have to go a little above and beyond with certain people. You know, you take this 
like our example earlier, 35 year old guy that's coming with all this experience and all this job life. Yeah. That guy is going to coast in this position a little bit better than say the 19 year old that has never ran a lawnmower before. Probably doesn't know, even know how to do some station stuff. Like he might Wash load, dishes. yeah, he might yeah. load dishes, but in a dishwasher at home, but he's never actually washed them at home on his own because that's just the environment. He's, so why not be like, okay, well, yeah, we have to go a little bit above and beyond. We have to train a little more, coach a little more. But we don't have to treat them like shit. And uh, so I don't I don't know at what point. I, the way I see it is this younger group that's coming in, like you were saying earlier, the uh, you know, the zero to five year guys, that's that's it. That's our that's our future. Mm-hmm. That's probably sixty to seventy five percent of all fire departments right now. All fire departments are younger right now. They're younger than they've ever been. And it's gonna be those guys that are going to be the the tip of the spear on changing mm-hmm. this recruitment, changing the new hire stuff. Yes. I mean. We have to build that foundation. That foundation is going to be everything. Oh, completely. You know. And, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to be insubordinate, but. No, if no. You're, if your captain or your chief is one of those that's caught up on all that kind of stuff, you can still kind of filter. You know, you can. Uh. You're going to be the coach. You're the one that's actually out there teaching them. You don't have to talk to them the whole time like crap. No, absolutely <laughs> not. But And there's a fine line, and, and they have to have the understanding when they mess up. You know, there's going to be a talking to. But there's a, a correction and a professional way to handle things, and there's belittling. And that whole belittling thing, blah. Couldn't spit, uh, spit it out of my mouth. But um, no one deserves that. No man deserves to be treated like that. No lady needs to be treated like that. And um, there's uh, definitely a professional way. And if you don't know that what that way is, you might want to go take some leadership training. You might want to go read a few books. You listen know? to this podcast. Yeah, listen to this podcast. Because <laughs> there's definitely – I mean, you don't have to be an asshole to this guy to teach him the right thing. Because a lot of times, I'd say eight times out of ten – the dude probably just has no idea and he wasn't trained properly or he just, you know, he just do- doesn't know. He just doesn't know at all. Yeah, doesn't He know. just needs to be coached. And he might, and each individual is going to take a little bit different time to coach. He might take, you know, a couple months. This dude might take two years, you know, yeah. to finally come around. But you but just have to understand there, they're that. They're there for a reason. Yes, exactly. You know, they're there for a reason. Uh, and that's all it is, is it comes down to coaching. And coaching is not obsessing over toilet paper. No. I mean, when I was told this story, I mean, I, I probably should have been hooked up to some telemetry because my shit. <laughs> I was like, because I, I know that guy, you know. I, yeah. know. I know how awesome he is, yeah. and I know, I know, I knew him from the previous department to then now. And uh, I was just like, are you shitting me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it made me to the point where I'm like, in my mind, that puts a bad light on an entire department, mm, exactly. the entire organization. So if you're, you know, coming out of fire school and you hear this story, <laughs> you ain't never testing there. No. You know, you're never going to go there. And um, a lot of people just don't even realize that. Like, No, because it's these little actions, these little things can cause such a detriment and big impact. Yeah. You know, and, and it all goes back to, I know we went on the tantrum, but it all goes back to retention and recruitment. How are you going to treat guys like this and expect to keep anybody? Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and that's if you're taking pay and stuff away. There's just some departments you just will not be able to afford it. And you, the individual that's leaving should understand that. 
But those things we can't change. Well, and truthfully, uh, as a department, whenever you're in in that recruitment phase, in that hiring phase, the department itself should be transparent. They should be like, hey, man, you know, starting to pay for firefighters here is 45000 We don't have any development going on. We have no in- new industry coming in. This is what the pay is going to be for a very extended period of time. Would we like to pay you more? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But we just don't have that ability. Um, it's, it's, it's okay to be transparent. Oh, yeah. Someone like me, I'm going to respect that. I respect that. that. Absolutely. I'm going to respect 100%. that a whole lot more than promising me the moon. And then I get there and I'm there for a month or two. I'm, I'm in hell. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, holy shit. Like this guy literally lied. And, and I say that because I lived it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was recruited for a position, promised the moon, got there. Everything shook out. And I was needed for the time period for my experience. Once that person got what they needed out of me and the programs and stuff that I created, I took part in. Now I'm the bad guy. And it was like, man, throw him out with a bathwater type thing. It was was literally night and day. And you're just like, holy shit, okay, well, I got God. Uh, And that's something that, you know, growing up, I have to be very in tune with and and pay a lot better attention on what I believe people say and what they don't. Um, But transparency is something that has got to be there during the recruitment phase um, in order to get the retention. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... Being truthful and honest, I remember, I think it was in, in, man, it was either in In Fire Academy or maybe one of my first interviews somewhere. Uh, they asked me to describe being a firefighter in one word. And, and I said integrity. Um, because to me, it's everything. I mean, you, no, go, yeah. you go into somebody's house, you know, they, they got their houses on fire or whatever. You go in there doing your overhaul. They may have guns. They may have jewelry. They may have money sitting there that didn't burn, whatever that's all the drastic things that we think about. But that level of integrity comes across on every aspect of yes. it. Um, have I been perfect? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I'm not saying I stole nothing like that in the job. I've tried to do the best, but I'm just saying as a, as a man, I haven't always been 100% perfect in everything that I've done. I have my faults, but um, you have some people within this career that don't, that, that's not even on the spectrum for them. Mm-hmm. Integrity is not... I mean, integrity, transparency, they were never even taught that word, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so to me, the, uh, the best way that you could, you could actually improve retention would be through holding your integrity and being 100% transparent throughout everything. Yes. And, and really, essentially, all this goes down to, and the way that it was all designed to be, is being a fucking good man. Yeah. If you're a good man, people's going to want to be around you. People's going to love you, and you're going to treat people the way they need to be treated, and you're just going to be idolized just because you're just that fucking dude, yeah. you know. And people's going to want to work for you, Completely. and that's how you know. Completely. And all those characteristics characteristics involve that, and so and that's, I mean, it's it's really not a complicated process. Yeah, the pay, everything else like that. Yeah, work, uh, job load. Yeah, you know, there's really nothing we can change about that. But that small thing, those characteristics, that leadership skills, that you just being a man is something you can change. And it will have drastic impacts on your retention if you uphold that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. So that's uh, – I think that's, that would be the biggest start that we could see yeah. changing uh, as far as for, for that. I mean, there's a lot of other aspects that you know, we can get into on later episodes. Um, but I, I completely agree. Transparency, integrity, 
remembering who you are and staying true to you, mm-hmm. living by your principles. Um, you know, I'm not saying if you, if you thug life into death, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend coming in the station, but, uh, uh, it's okay. You know, it's okay to be true and it's okay to, uh, to live, live true to who you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this business can move in a, in a really healthy direction. Yes, absolutely. Well, man, you got anything else? No, man, that's it. It's a good one. All right. We'll see y'all next time.